Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Oh, well, uh, welcome to Timberlake Church. want to welcome those watching at our uh, other campuses in Duval, uh, Bothell, Issaquah, and Castle Rock. We are in week two of our series, One Week to Live. As I said that, that sounds sort of weird, doesn't it? We're in week two of a series called One Week to Live, but we are uh, in that, and uh, really what we're looking at is uh, the last uh, week of the life of Jesus Christ and how it can impact uh, your life and mine. And, and my hope, more than anything, is that you will really get a, a sense of clarity, uh, not only for faith, uh, but for your life as uh, we move forward. I don't know about uh, you. How many of you, like me, are, are pre-GPS? Any of you were born pre-GPS? Okay, a lot of us here. Some of you don't even realize that. So for those of you who have only known GPS, let me tell you, is there used to be a time when there were these things called maps and they weren't on your phone and the map didn't read to you you had to read the map, and uh, it was incredible. It was just an incredible source of uh, unity as families fought together on all their vacations. Uh, you remember that, right? Uh, well, you know, uh, GPS is not perfect. In fact, I came across uh, a number of uh, GPS horror stories. Uh, one is this, uh, uh, in Spain, uh, GPS drivers were led down a staircase, and we have a picture there, yeah, it's sort of faded. Uh, Spanish authorities uh, came to the rescue, but five other drivers also made the turn because the navigation system told them to. Um, in another one, a driver decided to trust his GPS uh, when he was going from New York to Pennsylvania. Instead, he drove into Canada uh, without any formal documentation, and now he can never enter Canada again, which doesn't seem like much of a loss. No, I'm just kidding for my Canadian friends. I'm <laughs> A, we're okay. Okay, uh, and uh, in Belgium, uh, that this, is, uh, this one doesn't even sound true, but it's supposedly true. Uh, a lady was going from uh, her house to her friend's house in Brussels, 90 miles away, uh, but instead, she was led off course and drove 900 miles in two days. She explains, I'd simply been too distracted to notice that I'd been in the car in the wrong direction. And uh, yeah, I don't know if that's a navigation error or really the error of the person using uh, the nav system. The, really what I, I want to look at is the course that we have in life and how we can get a sense of being on on the right course for the big things in life. And Jesus, this was an ultimate concern uh, for him. See, if, if you don't care about it, sort of like uh, Lewis Carroll uh, said, if you don't know where you're going, uh, any road will get you there. But if, if we really want to be going someplace spiritually and, and in our life, 
then it's important that we get some direction. My goal today is that, as I said, is that you would get clarity uh, on what Jesus said. And, and I'm going to be just very straightforward. Uh, you don't even have to agree with me. You can be wrong. People are allowed to be wrong here. Uh, but, uh, uh, but I want you to know without a doubt, with what Jesus, not what people said about Jesus, but what Jesus said about spiritual clarity. Because uh, I, I think uh, if you understand Jesus better, uh, there are implications for your life. Uh, it'll help you uh, deal with disappointment. It'll help you deal with stress. It'll help you deal with kids, which may be redundant. <laughs> it'll, uh, again, it'll, it'll help us in every aspect of our life, but especially as we focus, as we head up to Easter week, about not only this life, but the next. Now, the Scripture says, I'm going to get to a passage where, uh, where Jesus is teaching directly, but, but I want you to see, it says this all over the Bible, basically the same uh, thing. Uh, we know in 1 uh, Corinthians, it says this. It says, uh, there is no God but one. Uh, for even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords. By the way, when it says that, I know some of you would say, oh, it's saying, hey, there's many gods. The Apostle Paul who write, wrote this is actually sort of making fun of that concept. And he says, yet for us, there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. The scripture makes these incredible claims, and then it's up for us to, to say, do I believe that? And if I do, what are the implications for my life? See, my guess is that we come from uh, all sorts of backgrounds. You might come from, uh, hey, you know, I don't know if I exactly agree with that, but I might sort of, or you might say that's sort of new information. But there's, I would guess, many of us who would say, I believe intellectually that is true, but it's difficult for it to really be true of me in how I live my life in every way. See, what happens is our, our faith uh, can get muddled and murky. And I just want to consider, what, what are those, some of those things that cause our faith to get muddled and murky? Uh, one is just an undeveloped faith. Uh, this is, if faith has been on the back burner, and I want to say, this is for both men and women, but I think men in particular, this is a challenge. Uh, for, well, really, it's a challenge for anyone who's competitive. Uh, I know uh, my, my wife and I are both competitive, and uh, she, you know, she's nice about it, except when she gloats after she wins. <laughs> and so uh, when we, when we uh, have a little competition, that's a good thing. We compete in what we feel we're good at. But if you haven't paid attention to your faith and you've gone through life, there, there might be this sense of, I don't even want to, to try because I feel it's been so underdeveloped. And uh, I believe there's always time to go a different direction. A friend of mine, when I pastored in Arizona, he was uh, the city council president in our town and uh, one of the biggest landholders. Young guy, done pretty well. And... He 
had started to check out faith, and he said he'd tried a couple times before, and I said, well, what was different and as he came to the church that I was pastoring? He said, you didn't make me feel stupid. And he said, I felt, you know, I, I have all these areas in my life where I'm sort of the man, the, the expert, the guy, the, the person who has the authority, and uh, I feel real stupid when it comes to faith. And for you, if you say, you know, that's me, I've really never developed this part of your life, there are resources that we have all over the place. In fact, one of them's in the connection card. We have a Bible class. And, and that's whether you're a long time, hey, I just want to get more out of the Bible, or you're, whole new, you're new to this whole thing. Uh, it, it's time to maybe develop that part of your life. And you'll never be made to feel stupid. But don't stop on the most important part of your life just because you feel it's underdeveloped. And then what can also muddle our faith? What I call kindly kooks and contrarians. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, people who uh, can get a little bit uh, kooky, you know, and you know, even, they have that wild, glassy look in their eyes. It can even be Christian people, and they're like, I'm just crazy for Jesus. And I'm like, hey, don't blame your crazy on Jesus, okay? Because <laughs> some of us, we, we came to Jesus with the crazy, and that's okay. God loves us, uh, but, but there are people like that, and we're like, okay, I don't want to be like that. That's a personality style. That's not a faith statement. And then there's also contrarians. There are people who will speak with incredible authority negatively about everything. And by the way, uh, you can be a contrarian, uh, but contrarians don't accomplish anything, whether it's in faith, science, anything. There is at some point you need positive affirmations to move forward. Now, notice I didn't put critics because there can be a critical look at faith where you're saying, hey, I've got some doubts to work through, and, and, and that, that is really something that can be faith building, not taking away from your faith. But if we listen to the contrarians all the time, uh, we're never gonna develop our faith. But I think for most of us, it's really not these first two, it's the second two that really muddle our faith, and that's our own personal failures, where we have this sense of, uh, what God has called us to an authentic faith, but we have a hard time living it out. And I think this is the, the message that God has for you this week and the next couple weeks as you understand why Jesus came and what he set out to do for you and for me. And then there's overwhelming fears. Uh, fear can cause us to freeze in our life. It can, uh, you can freeze in your relationships and your career. It can paralyze you in so many aspects and areas of your life. And that can come uh, in faith as well. See, Jesus knew this. And uh, in the last week of Jesus' life, he wanted to make sure his followers really were clear. And so in uh, John chapter 13, uh, he, he tells them, he, he says, hey, I'm going to be going to the cross and, and uh, there are going to be some things that happen that are devastating. He even, he even says, Judas is going to betray me. I don't know how the rest of them looked at Judas after that. But interesting, yeah, I want you to notice this. He, 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 he knew that, he foreknew that. Judas still had his own choice. But he, but he always gave Judas a chance, even up to the last second. Maybe that's instructive for you and for me. 
said, Peter, you're going to deny me. And so after Jesus says all this, it's sort of pretty heavy, and they're feeling really bad. But he, he wants them to know that the hope that they'd had as they traveled with him, as they'd seen people uh, healed, as he taught, was not just for this life, it's for the next as well. And, and so uh, Jesus says this uh, in John 14, and this is the text that's our primary text uh, for today. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. And then, uh, of course, Thomas, who uh, uh, we know as Doubting Thomas, he gets that reputation for a reason. He says this, uh, uh, well, Jesus says, you know the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. He says, I still don't get it. So how can we know the way? And then Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And let, let's leave that up for a moment. That statement, and we find it in Acts uh, 4.12, we find it in Acts 1.8, we find it in the Corinthians passage we just read, is, is a statement that is hard for some of us, and especially in an age of religious pluralism. By the way, you should have respect for everyone. Christians should be the most respectful, honorable people of everyone, regardless of another faith, no faith at all. But I'm just telling you, this is exactly what Jesus said about himself. And he, he said it really as an inclusion, as in an invitation to anyone who would come. And so here's what uh, Jesus makes clear. What is, uh, he makes clear in this passage is that uh, he is more than a guru. Jesus is more than just a spiritual teacher. Many people thought he was just a great rabbi. Rabbi actually means teacher. But Jesus wants to make clear that he's more than that. And in fact, um, any serious scholar, they don't even need to be a Christian scholar. So I, I uh, you know, I usually read primarily Christian scholars who, who, who would share my faith, but I read others as well. But, but all of them, of any credibility, would agree that Jesus was killed for blasphemy because he said, I am God in the flesh. It wasn't a misunderstanding. It wasn't anything like that. That Jesus made this radical claim about himself. And in fact, Colossians 2.9 says this, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. C.S. Lewis, uh, the great uh, British author, uh, you know his fiction work, probably wrote a bunch of fiction books, but also wrote uh, books on Christian theology. He, he really... Uh, engaged the intellectual communities in Oxford and Cambridge University at the time. And uh, he, he writes this. It's sort of a longer quote, but I think it's helpful. He says, I'm trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. 
He would either be a lunatic on the level of uh, with a man who says he's a poached egg. Uh, Sort of good sense of humor, right? Or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is a son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and call and, uh, and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any of this patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And that's really, uh, I think in our day and age, as true as it was back then, to understand that, that that never was part of the conversation. That Jesus is saying that, that he is God in the flesh, and in that, that brings hope to us. See, the other thing we learned from that passage is that normal is eternity, and God wants you to spend it with him. See, that, that's normal. We, we get this sense, there are some people who would uh, rail against this, but most people get the sense, I'll sit down with coffee for people, they can be a Christ follower or not a Christ file follower, and almost everyone believes uh, they're going to heaven. You probably heard this statistic before, is that if uh, in recent research, 92% of people said that they believe that they're going to heaven. Uh, but only 71% believe their friends and family are going to be there. <laughs> They're like, I'm going to heaven, doubt you are. So, <laughs> but uh, we, we get this sense that there's an afterlife. Uh, and, uh, you know, but we don't even like that. We don't like to talk about death. I remember when my youngest daughter, uh, she was probably nine or 10 at the time. And uh, we had uh, we had someone we knew passed away, and it was also around the time of uh, Easter week, and um, so we were talking about that. And uh, she said, "You know, yeah, I, I hope I live long. I I, I hope I, I think I want to die like when I'm 41." Because <laughs> for her, it was pretty much over <laughs> at the, at that point. Uh, you know, it, it's funny that we have a hard time with this, but uh, it's essential to come to terms with this. J- Jesus said this as he was, he was in this conversation and someone was trying to distract him, uh, and he wanted to make it real clear, and he makes this clear over and over again. Uh, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. He is saying that that heaven is a real place and that he went there to prepare a place. Now, a lot of us get hung up, but the Bible says very little about heaven. Uh, And in fact, uh, I realized probably in nine years I've been here, I think I've only preached one sermon on heaven. I preached a number about like hell and death. I guess I'm not that encouraging of a preacher. But, <laughs> but the Bible doesn't say a lot about that. But we know that Jesus is going to be there. And we know that it's more than a hope and a dream. It's actually the place that God has created for us. And, and that this life, and many of us, we're really blessed in this life. And some of us, we feel like things have not worked out as well. But Jesus makes it very 
clear that it's a prelude uh, to eternity. And the, another thing he makes clear is that the path to God is clear and accessible. And that's great news. We don't need to face life with our best guess. We read in Romans 10, 9 uh, through 13, and it says this. Again, I just want to want, read these scriptures. It's a little bit longer. It says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. I love that verse. It says, and then, and then it goes on to say who's included. Because there are some people who thought that there are certain people who were not included, that if they weren't among the Jewish people that, that God originally came to through Abraham, or look at who's included. He's, he says, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't say that you have to clean up your life first. It doesn't say that you have to have a certain spiritual pedigree. It's just saying for anyone who has the want to in their heart, God never says no. But yet there's that humility that says, God, I need you. And that is the step that is the biggest step we ever make this side of eternity. So, so that's what Jesus is saying. He, he's, he wants to make it real clear. And, and you know, it's interesting Jesus, as people even had misconceptions about him, the only ones he rebuked harshly were those who were trying to get in the way and adding all sorts of religious barriers between us and God. But anyone who had come humbly, he said, all it takes is like a little bit of faith. Like faith like a mustard seed. And so I guess the question for us is, is how do we approach God? Do we approach him with that level of faith? Are, are we clear that Jesus is not, not something we've, someone we've made up, but someone, a person in eternity and in history, and there's a claim on our life? Well, what does this mean for you and me? I think it means that we can get the big picture, uh, that, that we can get the big picture of life, that we don't need to be distracted uh, by uh, the little things in life, that we can get the big picture of what God has for us. But I don't know about you, it's like we always, you know, there's always so many uh, distractions and, and so forth. To, uh, well, first of all, as you know, I think we hit 60 degrees on Friday. Uh, first time, yeah, isn't that great? Yeah, now you believe in God again, right? So uh, it was like five months or so, and, and then it'll be sunny, and then just, you know, another 150 days of darkness. Anyway, uh, but, but, we, uh, but we had a 60-degree day, and, okay, I'm, this is, I just, let me say, be honest for me a second. 
How many of you wore shorts on Friday, at least for a little bit? Okay, a few of you? Yeah, the rest of you are just afraid to raise your hand. And so, uh, but I saw people wearing shorts all over, and uh, it was great. We had uh, some visitors uh, come over, in fact, uh, a bunch of visitors. And uh, in fact, I want to show you what the visitors uh, looked like here. Yeah, it was sort of the warm weather uh, brought bugs out. Uh, all over my house. And uh, by the way, I, I have done my like own pest control. And uh, it's not just because I like to breathe toxins. It's, <laughs> you know, as, so usually I do a pretty good job at it. Uh, but finally, there were these bugs in my, and I was preparing the sermon, right? And I'm like, okay, this is, you know, a man of God and faith that I am, spirit and power. I am preparing the sermon. But I am so distracted by these bugs. And, uh, you know, the, uh, so I, you know, I grabbed them and then I set them free after I kill them. So the, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you feel bad, then you get the bugs for me. So, <laughs> uh, but the, as, as I was there, I was so distracted and it was sort of funny that uh, I was on, there's some big stuff going on in our life. By the way, those of you who've been praying for my wife, uh, uh, she's, way on the road to recovery, and, you know, some things are a little, have a couple setbacks along the way, but, but there's a lot of stuff going on. But it's, it's sort of funny is how the little things can often distract you from the big things. And for some of us, we've been so distracted in the moment. It can be good things. It can be, you know, the, well, like Gonzaga going to the Final Four. And winning, pretty good. <laughs> and uh, so it could be uh, stuff with the kids. But, but it can keep us from the big picture. And the big picture is that God has a plan for you and for me if we'll step into it. It also means I have a credible story to tell. Uh, and, and you get this. If you're a parent, this is huge, by the way, uh, because if you have young kids right now, uh, I, I, I just love young kids, and then they grow up, and your kids are, I love my kids, they're wonderful, but they also become experts in your faults, and because those little blessings will use them against you, and the, uh, in that, uh, I've seen this, I really have seen this with, with some parents that because even their failures along the way, they feel like they lack authority because they're saying, who am I going to be a hypocrite as I talk to my kids about life and uh, what it means to uh, be honest and have integrity and to be generous and, and you know, uh, have, have a sense of purpose. But the great news is when I... Say, I'm following Jesus, it's all about his authority and not so much about mine, that I can point my kids to Jesus. A friend of mine, uh, he had a, a business, sort of, a, it, it was a big print advertising business. It was, if I said it, you know it. It used to be one of the uh, biggest ones about 20, 25 years ago. Uh, and uh, he was doing real well. And the industry changed and there was a... Uh, a dealing with a business partner, and, and he chose to, 
to settle in a way and, and not, not go through all the court battles, even though he felt he was definitely in the right. And, and so it was a hard season for him. And uh, they'd gone from having incredible financial resources to a much more modest income as he was plotting out his future. And uh, I, I said, how are you doing with this? He said, I'm doing well because I'm teaching my kids to lean on Jesus. He said, in a way, this is going to be one of the greatest moments for our family. See, there's those moments, and they can either take your life or give life. They can move you forward, or they can steal your joy. See, we, we look at our own lives, and maybe you say, hey, I'm sort of a, a mixed bag when it comes uh, to my consistency and how I follow God. But Jesus is the one we can point to, and he is always consistent, even when we're inconsistent. He doesn't let your failures become a barrier to his faithfulness. And it means this for me, is that I can live beyond my fears and failures. It's interesting, in uh, John chapter 14, uh, Thomas, who we read about, he openly expresses his, his doubts and his misunderstandings uh, about Jesus. He was one who often uh, didn't get it. But when uh, Jesus rose from the dead, uh, he, he even struggled at that point. He said, hey, it's not going to be until I can put my hands in his side and in, in his hands where the holes were. Because he, he'd seen G Jesus die. By the way, some people... You know, you ever get this? Oh, Jesus, uh, they'll say, well, Jesus, everyone knows Jesus lived and all of that. Well, he didn't really die on the cross. Maybe he really wasn't dead. And, and Thomas, he was there, and he said, no, unless I can feel that, because the spear went in his side and the nails went in his hand. And he said, I, I just can't have faith. But then something changed. And he just saw Jesus. He literally saw Jesus. And he makes the most powerful faith statement we really find in the scriptures. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believed. There's a time when, when things become clear enough for us to, to make a decision, to make a choice. There's an opportunity that we have. And the opportunity that's set before some of us today is maybe, maybe for you, you say, hey, I'm just clear on where I'm at in, in my faith. This thing coming up in a couple weeks, Easter, sort of a big deal in our culture Still a time when a, a, a vast majority of the population has some openness to God, maybe even going to a church. And I would encourage you, if you say, Ben, I'm not going to you know, sit down and talk to people about all the theological reasons and spiritual and historical realities, that just, that's not totally in my wheelhouse. 
then I encourage you with with the strength of faith of knowing that that God's going to be with you, that you would even invite someone to one of our Easter services on one of our campuses. Uh, and, and I always, you know, d- don't just throw a flyer at them. That's not really good, too. Uh, you can be, invite them. I've shared, sh- shared this story. My mom, uh, after she became a Christ follower, she was in her 50s. Uh, you know, she, as I said, she was, you know, sort of got into the 60s lifestyle for about three, 30 years. <laughs> and, and then Jesus became very real in her life, very real in her life. And she was so overwhelmed by God's grace for her that she started, she would trick people into going to church. She'd say, hey, do you want to go to, you know, and I, you got to understand, my dad was a car dealer. My mom, you know, sort of came from a different background. So she'd trick people for Jesus. You know, that was fine with her. And she'd say, hey, you want to go to lunch? Yeah, yeah, let's go to lunch on Sunday. Okay, yeah, we're going to go to church first, and then you can go to lunch afterwards. (laughs) And she literally, uh, her car was full. They actually at one point gave her one of the church vans because she was bringing so many people every week. Um, And a bunch of people who you probably would have not guessed as real candidates for God's grace. But my mom said, and this is, she said, I, I, I will never forget what Jesus has done for me. And so I want you, hopefully not to trick people, but to say, hey, why don't you meet me? And we've been praying and planning and preparing. And it'll be a message, and I'm going to embarrass you or them but just a straightforward message that there is hope that seems unimaginable to some, but it's possible through the person of Jesus Christ. And we get to see that week in, week out. The stories of people who say, God wasn't even on my radar, and now he's my greatest hope. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.